Good evening, everyone, and sorry if you missed me last week. It was a long weekend here in the U.S. Last time, we talked about the first tranquilizer drug, meprobamate, which helped with anxiety and became all the rage as Hollywood became obsessed with the drug. But soon after, it became clear that meprobamate was somewhat addictive, and sales began to drop, and then other drugs would pick up the slack. Now, given the huge success of meprobamate, even in just a few years, other drug companies were racing to develop their own psychiatric drugs. For this episode, we are following one Leo Henry Sternbach, a Polish researcher in organic chemistry. In 1940, he was working as a chemist in Switzerland, but once World War II broke out, he was forced to flee to the United States to escape persecution from the Nazis. Luckily for him, the company he worked for also had a branch in the United States, so he continued working over here. In 1952, seeing the success of a few other psychiatric drugs, including one we'll talk about next week, Sternbach figured he would try to make some similar but slightly different compounds, hoping they'd have similar usefulness. He generated 40 new substances and then submitted them for analysis. Turned out that these new drugs would not be useful for anything, and after studying 39 of the 40 compounds, they decided to just move on and set aside the last compound for later. There's no way that last one could possibly be of any use, right? And so for a year and a half, that last compound created by Sternbach sat around, with the assumption that it also was worthless. Finally, though, one of Sternbach's colleagues named Earl Reeder figured, well, they might as well send it in for testing just to get that old list of compounds off the to-do list for good. Instead, their director of pharmacological research found that this last test showed similar uses to meprobamate, but was stronger and lacked any adverse effects. It was found to be very calming, for example, in a group of literal wild monkeys, whose level of alertness was seemingly not affected. Other testing was done on mice and cats, and was also successful. Sternbach and crew were now interested and tried to figure out why the heck this last compound worked so well, when all the other ones had been duds. I like to think they were probably a little mad at themselves for sitting on a potential discovery for a year and a half. Turns out Sternbach had actually messed up earlier, and used the wrong chemical when creating the compound, which is why it was so different. As we've seen on this show before, mistakes can often lead to great successes in science, and here is no exception. Sternbach patented his new drug in 1958, and it became known as chlordiazepoxide, the first benzodiazepine, a prominent drug class still in use to this very day. The next step was to further test the drug, which they decided to do using large zoo animals at the San Diego and Boston zoos. The drug was given to, seriously, leopards, lions, panthers, tigers, and pumas, which was apparently a success. The drug supposedly made the animals act more tame, and I can't help but to think these trials were also meant to be a bit of a publicity stunt. If you tell me a drug can calm big cats down, I'm pretty inclined to also think that it might help me out too. Next up was to try it out in humans. Here again, mistakes were made. The drug early on was tested in very high doses to elderly patients exclusively, which made the patients extremely sleepy and caused speech problems, initially leading investigators to question the clinical utility of the drug. Perhaps, though, they had learned their lesson from last time and decided to try again in a broader age range of patients with lower doses, and this time it was shown that chlordiazepoxide was actually a really good tranquilizer, with few negative effects. In 1960, the FDA gave chlordiazepoxide its approval, and the drug was sold under the trade name Librium. 
Sternbach's company wasn't satisfied with just Librium, though, so they investigated further improvements to this drug. They found in 1959 that simplifying part of the molecule actually yielded better drug strength and a shorter effect, resulting in a drug called diazepam, and they sold that as Valium, which I'm sure many people have heard of. In the 1960s, it became abundantly clear that these drugs were effective and popular. Between 1965 and 1975, benzodiazepines were the most widely prescribed drug in the world, and were colloquially known in the press as happy pills. In 1978, Valium was the most prescribed medical treatment, and Librium was still in third. Around one in six people in wealthy Western countries were on some kind of benzodiazepine regularly. Meprobamate was long gone at this point, and the popularity of benzodiazepines is probably why many people today, myself included, haven't heard of meprobamate, at least before this podcast. Thanks to their effectiveness, and also to be honest because a lot of marketing, benzodiazepines took the world by storm. It wasn't until the late 1970s that physicians began to question the widespread use of these drugs. It started with the United Kingdom suing the company that made Librium and Valium, demanding that they pay part of the costs of mass consumption of these drugs, which currently the government was footing the bill for. Ultimately, the company had to pay about £4 million to the British government, and soon other countries followed suit. Scientists were also studying benzodiazepines more carefully and finding that, while they might be safer than older alternatives, benzodiazepines could still be addictive and could definitely still be abused, and suggested that maybe we shouldn't be dosing about a sixth of our population with the stuff regularly. By the 1990s, more research and regulations had been established, which reigned in the craze around benzodiazepines to what are probably more appropriate levels of use. In the years after Librium and Valium, other companies also began to create their own benzodiazepines, with the famous Xanax being among them. And in the decades that followed, literally thousands of benzodiazepines have been made, and at least 100 have been sold as drugs. While we don't use them nearly as much, they do still see use for the treatment of anxiety, seizures, and insomnia. Benzodiazepines are an incredibly important group of drugs, and they enabled better treatment for more minor mental disorders. They also led to a better understanding of how some psychiatric disorders worked physiologically, since if taking a drug could help with anxiety, there were clearly biological and chemical processes at work that could be modified and studied. Okay, so that's it for my tangent here on tranquilizers. Next week, we're going to go back again to the 50s in order to talk about the creation of drugs for psychotic symptoms, for which neither meprobamate nor benzodiazepine were really of any use. And as always, thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you hear, please let me know with links in the show notes, or leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you also to Jojo Tang, my editor, Angie Lee, my cover artist, and Muse Open for this music. Music